Welcome to Growth Island, your go-to podcast on how to be the best version of yourself. Now, let's join your host, Mess Freeze, as he interviews high performers and experts in nutrition, meditation, exercise, relationships, business, general health, and life's bigger mysteries. Welcome to today's episode of Growth Island. Today, I got Dasha Maximova in. She's a female biohacker that leads the group Biohacking Women on Facebook. She is also working with Health Optimization Summit, something you're going to learn more about later. She has a yoga instructor certification, and she's been a hardcore businesswoman in PwC, where she was buying and selling companies, also called M&A. So it's going to be super interesting to hear more about her journey into biohacking. So Dasha, welcome so much, and thank you for taking the time. <laughs> sure thing. Thanks, Mads. How's it going? Really good here in Copenhagen. So... Dasha, how did you get into all this biohacking? And how did you go from being like buying and selling companies in PwC to suddenly learning a lot about your health and so on? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Um, so I think, so the first one is um, I've always been interested in health. Uh, I've always um, been kind of toying around with it, be it my own food or my own gut things that I was working through during college. Um, then I got interested in yoga from a stress management perspective because working in a, in a big company and kind of wanting to always do, do good and be the best, um, you, you do get stressed out. So for me, yoga was a way to get out of that. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and then I got interested in brain health. So my story is, is really one about recovery from brain injury. Um, and from that brain injury, I kind of got into biohacking, into this health optimization, into mitochondrial health. Um, and now just most recently, I've gotten interested in women's health as well. And so um, I think it's it's funny because the hacks that I have for, for health, be it sun staring or ice baths or, you know, now starting to eat DHA and fish or removing myself from non-native EMFs, it's what I find is amazing is that all of these individual hacks, they actually impact the area of brain and women health, both areas positively. So it's not that like I only, you know, I only know one thing or I only do one thing and therefore it doesn't connect to the others. Um, they're all interconnected, which has been amazing on my journey as well. Yeah. So how did you get into brain health? Something about you hitting your head quite well. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I. <laughs> uh, you didn't so just get had, one concussion, right? No, I've had six. Six. <laughs> um, so yeah, they uh, they've ranged from a car accident to sports, um, and then the last one was about fifteen months ago, uh, and it was especially ironic, I would say, in that I was studying working memory in my neuroscience master's program when I hit my head on the dance floor. Yeah. How do you hit your head on the dance floor? You have a bad out. partner. Bad partner, yeah. <laughs> Always someone else's fault. <laughs> it is, it is. In this case, I would say so, yeah. No, so it was, was it like dancing. dirty dancing? You were being pulled up in the air and tipped <laughs> over? Or what happened? I, w I was being spun. Um, oh. And when you're, when you're being spun... Um, you, especially as the as the female who's being led, uh, you don't always have full control. Yeah. Um, and so we bumped into another pair. And unfortunately, um, my partner decided not to grab me and protect me from falling on the floor. And so with the force of the turn, um, I hit my head 
twice on the uh, on the floor. Um, and kind of from there, everything shifted, like absolutely night and day. I mean, it was a doozy and it changed me. And I, you know, I went from being a really kind of bubbly person with, um, I mean, doing, you know, being high performing and go, go, go. And um, to now, you know, I had brain fog. I had fatigue, nausea, amnesia, um, just total apathy, like not wanting to do anything. Um, you know, my emotions were all over the place. But I think the biggest thing was um, kind of light sensitivity and noise sensitivity and chronic, chronic headaches. So I'd wake up in the morning, have a headache all day long, have a headache, go to sleep, headache. You know, and it's one of those things where if anybody of any of you, your listeners has had chronic pain, which I'm sure I'm sure people have, it's debilitating because you don't know when it's going to end, you know, and you feel completely powerless and completely, you know, you don't know, you don't know what to do. So for me, I think I went to one doctor and the do- the doctor said, did, did kind of 10 minute quick check. Um, and she wrote on a prescription pad, you know, okay, nine tablets, um, paracetamol, ibuprofen mix. And that's when I said enough, you know, I don't want to be in passive mode anymore. I want to be proactive. I want to be the driver for health and my own health because I have to live with my body night and day versus any specialist, even if they're giving me a lot of time, they only see me for an hour or whatnot. They don't have to live with this. So for me, I got really angry that I wasn't able to think clearly and that I wasn't in control. And so I said, okay, I'm going to learn. I'm going to read. I'm going to get knowledge. Because for me, if I have knowledge, I then have options. And if I have options, now I have control back. So I think that's where, you know, going back to your question of how did I get into all of this, that's where this all stemmed from. It was, you know, wanting to have control back. Um, and so that's kind of, you know, with this biohacking and health optimization journey has, has started. Yeah. So concussions, that happens to a lot of people. I have one of my good friends that... That was from football, actually. He got the ball in the head. And I think he's been almost out for seven years now, not been mm. able to work full-time since that. So it mm. is really debilitating for when it goes wrong. So so what did you do to uh, to get back on top? And, and how are you feeling today? Mm, yeah. Um, sorry to hear about your friend. It's, um, it's a story that, especially when I tell my story, I hear a lot from other people as well about, Oh yeah, and I'm and my friend has this, or my friend has that, or somebody, a family member, and it's. Um, so I think, yeah, what you're saying about concussions, it's um, it's much more frequent than we think about it. And so, for those who don't know what a concussion is, just to to clarify, some people think it's you have to lose consciousness. Um, some people think that it has to be this massive thing, when it really doesn't. You know, it can be a car accident, can be something quite large. But ultimately, it's just when the head and your brain move really rapidly um, and there's a blow. So it could be, you know, you slip on the ice and you fall um, and you think that, oh, I'm, I'll be fine. Um, but what's, what's insane is that what they're finding is that these weekend warriors or people who do some sport on the weekend, they think, oh, in two days, I'll be all right. Well, in reality, many concussions that the symptoms can last for two, three weeks. Um, or there can be cases like mine, um, which is about a third of the cases where the concussion symptoms, the TBI, traumatic brain injury symptoms, last for more than a month. Now, for me, it was um, probably, I would say, 13 months until 
I felt like 90% back. So right now that it was about 15 months ago. So I'm still not back. I still have um, headaches specifically when I'm around a computer. Um, I, you know, I know, but now I kind of know what to do. I know how to manage the pain and I know, I know some of the things that have helped me as well. Um, so I do more of those. Um, so, but maybe that I, maybe I can go through some of those. We can talk about kind of that brain health element and then shift into female health. That would be great. Yeah. Um, cause I think I find, I actually find them quite, um, quite connected as well. Um, so for me, I guess from a brain health standpoint, um, it was, I didn't have any energy. So I would, I would have a day where I would make a cup of tea and that was it. <laughs> like we're done, you know, and then I'm back in, in bed. Um, and I, and it, a lot of doctors say for concussions, you just need to rest and stop using your brain. Because if you, if you think about it, if you break your wrist, for example, what do you do? Give it some rest. You immobilize it. Exactly. So you, you let it, you completely stop it from being able to move so that your body can naturally heal itself back together. So that's what they, that's, that's the protocol for concussions. They just say, rest, 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 stay away from computers. Don't have flickering light. Don't read. Stop using your brain. And flickering light for the people that don't know what that is. Um, really any light right now that we, we use. So it can be your screen, any screen. So that can be your computer. That can be your cell phone. That can be your TV. So any light that has some flicker rate behind it, which is every single light that is present in in today's modern world. Um, so led lights, um, compact fluorescent lights, any of those, they all flicker. Um, so for example, if you ever take a camera and you shine it against your screen, you'll in a video, for example, yeah. you'll see that there's flickers um, where your your eyes don't necessarily see it because it's flickering so fast, but it's happening behind the scenes. Yeah, um, that's a good way so to term- explain it. Yeah. Um, so in terms of concussions, basically, what I ended up doing was I was lucky in that I was able to get away um, and go to a place that has sun for 300 plus days out of the year, and for three months, I just gave my ta- my brain time to heal because I said, all right. If that's the only thing that everybody is telling me to do, then I'm going to go do that. So I swam, I meditated, I bathed in the sun, and I listened and listened and listened and listened to a lot of podcasts. Mm. Um, and um, and at the same time, I also was visiting specific kind of specialists. Um, I think at this point, I was like 14, 15 doctors um, that I had gone to who are each specialists in different areas. It could be, you know, osteopathy. Um, specific dentists, visual um, therapy, shamans at one point. I kind of did the whole gamut. Mm-hmm. Um, but so what, What going back to what I was saying before was because I had no energy whatsoever, I, I said, all right, well, I need energy. Food is energy. Therefore, let me look at my food. Um, so I completely got rid of gluten. I got rid of sugar, caffeine. But the big thing that I made that made a change for me was I had been a vegetarian for seven years. And I completely shifted and I started eating fish because of the DHA. So DHA, I can never pronounce the doco. I can't, I can, I can't pronounce it, um, but it's the long chain omega-3 fatty acid um, that makes up your brain. Um, and um, it's in human breast milk. Um, it's actually 10 times higher in human breast milk than it is in cow's milk. Um, and at one point, I think in the nineties, they made, they had studies on neonates, um, with 
and without DHA in their milk. And they noticed that babies who had had DHA in their milk had greater cognition, greater vision. Um, so they say that DHA is anti-inflammatory. Um, it regrows, it actually regrows synapses in your, in your brain. So it's, it's the thing that you need for optimal cellular signaling. Um, so for me, DHA was huge. I completely shifted and, um, went from not eating fish at all to now having fish like four or five times a week. Yep. So you did that as one of the first things. Yeah. So DHA was the, was the big change I would say. And, um, and for me, that was, that helped with energy, that helped with clear thinking. I felt like I started getting myself back. Um, because what they also say is that DHA helps with, um, um, with inflammation, right? Um, so with that inflammation of the brain, um, it helps clear some of that out and, and have clear thinking. Um, so yeah. Um, so then, then I shifted, um, because when I started looking at brain health again, um, so food was the first thing, but then I, kept on looking further and further and saying, all right, well, the brain, the heart and the body, they all run on electricity. It's all, we're all an electrical being, right? So food is sustenance and food is what we need, surely. But food can come in different ways, right? It can come in the form of food. It can also come in the form of light and grounding. And, and just getting electrons. Because if we're electrical beings, we run on electricity, we therefore need electrons, right? It's, it's a pretty logical <laughs> way of thinking, I guess. Um, so then I started looking into light, grounding, and non-native EMFs. And mm-hmm. I think all three of these things are really, really interesting when we start thinking not just about brain health, but also the direct link to female health as well, as we'll see later. Yeah. So can you just put a few more words on the three different ones? Yeah, sure. Um, so in terms of light, um, I won't go, I mean, I can go into it if you like, but um, I think Andy Mant gave a lot of good insight on a previous podcast you had. Yeah, I'll link to that in the show notes as well. Yeah, perfect. Um, so I would recommend just listening to, to that one if you want a lot of detail on light. But for me, it, it, it boils down to light is energy. Light enters our eyes and it hits our retinas and it converts to electrical signals. Those electrical signals fire off everything else in our bodies. So without light hitting either our retinas or our skin, we really would not be functioning, right? We, I mean, there's studies out there of people back in the seventies, um, they had put people into bunkers, um, completely dark, you know, away from light. And they, they, ha- they started having a whole host of different health problems because they were away from light. Um, so I think light there, it's, it's the natural sunlight that you should be getting, um, which might be a little bit more difficult in the wintertime. Um, but that's still, you know, in Copenhagen, even if it isn't sunny, you should still be getting out and, and getting as much light on your skin as naturally possible. Um, and then the other part is avoiding any of the blue light at night as well. Um, because blue light, I think everybody right now is starting to say that blue light is is causing poor sleep, which it surely does. And that is a, a big problem. But I think the bigger issue is that it stops you from producing melatonin, which, yes, it, it details with, with sleep. But that melatonin is also the cleanup crew for the free radicals that you create during the day. So if you're not sleeping, if you're not ha- producing melatonin, you don't have a janitor coming through and, and mopping up all of those free radicals. So free radicals is 
then leading us to inflammation, which propagates the problem. Um, so I think blue light is is linked to sleep, but linked to also a lot of health issues that people aren't necessarily um, kind of bringing into light just quite yet. Yeah. Um, so I think, the ones I think that with light, are not yeah, familiar with blue light haven't listened to former episodes. It's the light you get from screens. It also comes from a lot of our light sources that we have today. Yep, exactly. Um, yeah, blue light is, you'll see it on your phones as well. A lot of um, phone manufacturers are starting to to waken up to this and they're saying, okay, we'll have night shift mode. Yeah. Um, so what night shift mode does is it reduces some of that blue light, but not enough. Yeah, I saw you had some cool glasses on. Yeah, yeah, I have my blue blockers. Um, I'll send you guys the uh, the name of the company. It's Raw Optics. If uh, you guys are interested in that, um, but um, yeah, so for me, light was huge because um, again, I was waking up in the morning right at sunrise. I was staring at the sun. Sounds crazy. Sounds hippie. It is, um, but at the same time, I was getting that natural um, the natural rays um, for the first hour of the sun, and I noticed that you know, my depression, my moodiness, my fatigue, my sleep was better. You know, all of those things were, were almost gone. Yeah. And then my sleep was better as well. I mean, in part because I was waking up at the crack of dawn, but at the same time, just my quality of sleep was incredible. Did you track um, your sleep or how did you know that it was better? Did I, no, I did not track my sleep at that no. time. Um, but I just felt like I was, I was waking up much more rested. Yeah. And I wasn't waking up in the middle of the night, whereas before I had been. Yeah. That's a pretty big um, factor. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes with, with, uh, biohacking, it's funny. Cause I think that, um, we're, it's a good thing that we're, we're wanting to track all these things. Um, but sometimes it's also, you know, the easiest way to track or one way to track is how do you feel? Yeah. You know, how do you ultimately do you, what does your energy levels look like? Um, so, um, and then, so light was one thing grounding again, I'll talk really quickly on this one. Um, so grounding again, it sounds really hippie. Um, but barefoot walking on the ground, not on the cement, not on pavement, but literally walking on patches of earth, patches of park, patches of ground. Um, and what that does is when you are walking or you're lying down, um, you end up, you end up picking up, um, the free electrons from the earth. So the earth has its own, um, its own resonance and it is net negative. So when we're talking about electricity, um, the earth's core, the earth's surface is negative. And so when we lie on the earth or we walk barefoot, um, I mean, think back to the last time you were barefoot. Probably it was, you know, in the summertime or um, on the beach. And everybody says, oh, well, yeah, I feel much better when I'm on, on my, I'm on vacation. Well, surely it's because you're not stressed out, but also because you're usually outside, out in the sun, walking barefoot. You know, you're getting all of these amazing, beautiful benefits that we just don't have or we don't do in the modern day world. Yeah. Um, so grounding, what it ends up, what ends up happening is when people start talking about antioxidants, right? Everybody, it's like the, the fad, um, for the past couple of years and they say, oh, well, you need to have blueberries or you need to have acai or whatnot. Right. Um, and they say that antioxidants help to fight free radicals. Well, what are free radicals? Free radicals are the byproducts of your, your cells making energy. So it's an uncharged valence electron. So if I pair that uncharged kind of un, that unpaired um, electron with another free electron from the earth, then it's no longer unstable, right? And so grounding, what it ultimately does, it does the exact same thing as eating antioxidants or blueberries or whatnot, um, 
and it's free because you can walk outside anytime and just be barefoot. You know, you just look a little crazy in the park in London, for example, <laughs> walking barefoot. <laughs> and in Copenhagen when it's really cold. But, but yeah, that's all sure. right. <laughs> Do you have any reviews or some scientific papers that can back it up? So I know a lot of people are talking about ground, grinding, grounding, mm. not grinding, mm. but grounding. <laughs> Two very different things. Um, do you know about any articles and so on that we can refer to really skeptical people? I think it's yeah, very intuitively um, that you go out and you feel it. But um, for people that haven't, that don't really feel that difference in their body. Yeah, I um, I have a number um, that I'll probably just send to you and then we can link it in the show notes. Is that all right? That would be great. Okay. Um, yeah, there's there's loads out there. There's a, num- a number of different books out there as well. I mean, they've been... it's. Electricity as a field with relation to the body has been studied since, I mean, since the 60s at least. Um, So it's amazing. I mean, we do have a lot of studies out there. I'll just make sure that I send them to you after this. Awesome. Thank you so much, Tessia. So those three things, what else did you do? So the last thing, and this is one that I definitely will send you a bunch of articles because there is... um, there's so much, um, is non-native electromagnetic fields. Yeah. So electromagnetic field is, uh, is it's a physical field um, that's produced by electrically charged objects. That's the definition. Now, you can have native electromagnetic field, which is the Earth, mm. which is, it's been measured, um, and it's called the Schumann resonance, S-C-H-U-M-A-N-N, Schumann resonance. Um, and so they've measured the Earth which is at 7.83 hertz. And that's the native, it's called native EMF. There's also what's called non-native EMF. So non-native EMF is, it's the whole, there's a whole spectrum of these things. So it can be x-rays, it can be gamma rays, it can be the TV, it can be wireless, your, you know, your Wi-Fi, your phones, your hair dryers, anything that has a battery or is plugged in is the way that I think of it. Yeah. Right. Um, So just as a comparison, the Earth is at 7.83 hertz. An iPhone is at 2.7 gigahertz. So 2.7 billion times faster than the Earth. So the the magnitude of these these waves, these elect you know, when we're thinking about waves and the frequency is quite is quite huge. Um, the wavelengths vary quite a bit. Um, so the reason that that EMFs are, and non-native EMFs is what they're called um, is starting to become more interesting and, and part of the conversation about health is that we're starting to see the potential harms. Um, so some of them, you know, and, and people are starting to even call it out and say that they are what's called electro-hypersensitive. Yeah. So in countries like the UK, you, you can be, it, it's a malady that you can say, yes, I I am electrohypersensitive, and then it's it's a condition, right? Not all countries have yet recognized it as such, but that's that's one of them. So the potential harms. So the main one is that EMFs they introduce too much calcium into your cells. So it's so via the voltage gated calcium channels, you end up your cells end up having too much calcium inside. What that means is that you end up having more oxidative stress and much more inflammation. So that can that can look like, um, you know, it disrupts your nerve cell communication. It can um, increase free radicals. It can have sleep disruption, neural development, um, and then the one that 
that intrigued me the most, especially from a brain standpoint, was the breakdown of the of the blood brain barrier. Um, so there, that that was the part that got me interested in that. That means that if I'm eating something, you know, that may not be very good, or if my environment has a lot of toxins, then potentially all of those toxins are going into my brain because my blood brain barrier now has more holes in it and it starts it starts to look like swiss cheese and so the the toxins from the environment are getting into my brain so emfs have that potential damage they also potentially increase cortisol levels which is a key stress hormone um also one of the doctors um dr klinghart in europe um says that people who live in a high emf environment have higher biomarkers for inflammation so when we start talking about, and you know, a lot of people are linking inflammation of your body to various different diseases. So if we st- if we take that as you know as a fact that EMFs, so my iPad, my phone, everything that's around me that that has a battery or has a charge potentially is is increasing my inflammation, and all of these diseases are linked to inflammation, then you know, we can, we can draw the natural conclusion that your EMFs are causing a lot of these diseases, a lot of these modern diseases. And so what about when you put your phone on flight mode? Yeah, so that's really, it's, um, that's a good question. So airplane mode is fantastic. Um, my phone, and that's one of the hacks that I've done, my phone is almost perpetually on airplane mode. Um, and if people really need to meet to um, get to me, it's on airplane mode, but with Wi-Fi turned on. But I will turn off the radio signal to the telephone um, wire, uh, towers. Um, so airplane mode helps. It very much helps. It does not fix everything, right? You're going to definitely reduce your EMF. Um, and my, I have an EMF meter. Um, and it will reduce it, but it will not completely kill it and squash it. Um, so, so that's for really me, interesting for, when people are sleeping. So when yeah. you're sleeping with your phone right next to your head. So I put mine on flight mode. So that's only kind yeah. of doing the trick. It's not really totally helping it. Yeah, exactly. So it's um, I'll send you something after that you can um, that you can also post. Mm-hmm. Um, of I'll do a video where you I'll show my meter mm-hmm. with the phone on airplane mode off of airplane mode and completely switched off. And so you can see the difference. Um, because yes, it will reduce, but it is still giving off a signal. It is still getting giving off an EMF. Um, there is because it's still a battery, right? So it's no longer it's no longer longer transmitting information, but the battery is still charged. And therefore because the battery is charged, it still is giving off electro an electromagnetic field around it. So it's actually not good to charge your batteries in your bedroom. Absolutely not. I would highly recommend throwing that phone out of the bedroom as far away as possible. <laughs> and uh, same with laptop and your other devices. Yes, absolutely. So a friend of mine asked me a really good question that he wanted me to ask on the podcast, also on the next podcast I'm having. So how big of a difference does it make? And I know the answer is super complex because it varies on each individual. And I think mm-hmm. that's the key point that for some people that are more sensitive, it matters more. And people that are less sensitive, mm. it matters less. But any takes on that otherwise? Oh, yeah. So, um, yes, it, it varies, right? That's obvious. Um, but it, um, so for example, uh, just as, a, as a, an aside, um, one of my friends is so high, electro-hypersensitive that if she was around a phone like that with multiple, let's say there was multiple devices around her, yeah. 
she would be bruised. You would, she would physically look bruised. Like her body would look as if somebody punched her because she's so sensitive versus with me, I have a minor headache versus perhaps you, you don't feel it at all. The thing is though, that, um, a lot of people don't realize that they're sensitive. Um, but the, the, what they're finding right now is there is a latency period of about 10, 10 years. So depending on your usage, so let's say, um, you, you know, you used to work in a, in a computer, in a area that had a lot of computers and a lot of servers, a lot of modems, perhaps your tolerance, um, it, you know, it, it'll take quicker for you to become electro hypersensitive because you've been exposed to so much, right. Versus perhaps a farmer who almost never sees a device and just has one cell phone. It'll take him longer yeah. to get to that same level of electro hypersensitivity, but they are showing that, you know, it's 10 years down the line of constant use uh, that people are starting to actually see a lot of um, a lot of diseases and maladies. Um, but yeah, I mean, going back to your question before of, you know, kind of what should your bedroom look like in, in specific, I would say, um, yeah, my, I mean, I don't have, I have blackout blinds. Um, I, or if I'm traveling, I'll just have a sleep mask. But um, from an EMF standpoint, yeah, everything is switched off. If I'm in a hotel room, I'm unplugging the refrigerator, I'm unplugging every single device I possibly can. So it's not, um, it's not even taking any charge from the outlet. Um, my phone is usually being charged in the, um, uh, in the bathroom. Um, and I have an alarm clock that I travel with, um, so that I don't have to use my phone as the alarm clock. Um, yeah. Cool. And what about turning off the phone? So I have, I actually have a spare phone that I use for my gratitude journal so that I write down in notes every night before I go to bed three things that I'm grateful for. And then mm, I have nice. it on airplane mode, but it's still lying really close to my head. Would it help if I turn it off and pull it out of the charger or would it still have a negative effect? Yeah, so I would say uh, in order of magnitude, um, the worst is having the phone completely on, then it's having it on airplane mode, then it's turned off and charging, and then it's turned off. So I would recommend either you turn it off and you charge it away from the bed completely um, so that if you do need to be charging it, let's say, right? Yeah. Or if you don't need to be charging it, then turn just turn off the phone and put it by your bed. Yeah. Um, if, if it's one of those kind of last things that you do before sleep, yeah, just turn it off because then the battery is completely off. Yeah. Noted. The other thing is, um, for anybody out there who, um, you know, likes Bluetooth devices or, um, you know, those air AirPods or whatnot, um, in a nutshell, you're frying your brain. Um, <laughs> so I would, you know, they're, they may be great and they may, may, um, be productive and they may look cool. Um, but it, in light of everything that I've learned about brain, um, brain health, I would say, that is an absolute no-no and for your kids as well. Cause kids, um, kids have much more water weight than we do as, adult, as adults. Um, so if, what that means is water is a conductor. So if water is a conductor and kids have more water weight, then naturally they're being affected by EMFs a lot more than we are. So if we're thinking about phones, if we're thinking about iPads, computers, all that stuff, I mean, they're getting blasted completely blasted and fried. Um, because one of the other things that, uh, EMFs do is they dehydrate you. Um, so they're, and on top of that, probably kids aren't drinking enough water as it is. Um, so their cells are slowly starting to cry out 
and say, you know, and, and over time, especially if they're continually texting and Instagramming and, you know, tweeting or whatever they're doing, um, it's just, they're progressively getting more and more dehydrated and their cells are being, uh, pummeled with, with calcium, which is leading to inflammation. Um, so I think, I guess one of the things that, um, there's a, there's a doctor, her name is Dr. Erica Mallory Blythe. Um, and she, one of the things that she talks about is, um, is how going forward, probably at some point here, we will be looking at cell phones as just as bad as giving a kid a cigarette. You know, it's, it's going to be deemed as bad as that because right now we're not looking at the, um, at the detriments because we don't know what they are. Because again, there's a 10 year latency period. You know, we, we are just getting to the point now, uh, where people are starting, you know, people have had cell phones for a while now. And so, um, and, and the increase of use of laptops, people are, you know, we're just starting to see all the, all the negative, um, side effects. But if you look into, if you look into how cell phones were even regulated, that's another story for another time. But, um, in a nutshell, the regulation has not been updated for 20 years now. Now in the time when cell phones first, first came out and now there's a lot of things that have changed. There's more of us using cell phones and they've become more powerful and we're using, and we're using them more frequently. So the regulation that we had 20 years ago was, was based on the idea, one, the, you know, it was based on a 200 pound headed man. Um, you know, so he's, that's not me. That's not you. That's not many of us. Um, you know, and, um, the idea was if his brain, so it was the, the thought was if his brain, uh, increased in temperature by two degrees, then that was deemed as bad. That was deemed as something that was negative to his brain health. Um, what we're finding now is it doesn't necessarily have to be thermal effects in order for it to be, um, to be detrimental. So it doesn't have to be, if you're looking at the spectrum, um, there's ionizing and non-ionizing electromagnetic fields. So the things that are non-ionizing, i.e. power lines, AMF radio, TV, Wi-Fi, you know, those things, they may not increase the temperature of our brains, um, but they are having detrimental effects. Um, so, and even back then, they used to always say, do not hold, like, look at the fine print. That's, that's another interesting thing. If you look at the fine print on your phone, um, a lot of times they'll say, don't hold your phone. <laughs> like you're, yeah. you're not supposed. Like you're, it's like five centimeters, five millimeters, or something. I think it is that you're supposed to not like to to be away from your phone. That's mental. I mean, none of us do that. You know. True. So I always wear my headset, and that's yeah. one of the other interesting things with Bluetooth. And then wearing a headset ten hours, twelve hours a day when you're working. I saw someone doing a review where he was testing different headsets, Bluetooth headsets, about which yeah. ones were emitting the most EMF. And mm -hmm. the Bose one that I have were apparently some of the ones that emitted the least. And he was like, the benefit it gives me not to have to walk around with, um, with a plug on and so on, I think outweighed it for me. But of course, it depends on how sensitive you are to EMF. Sure, of course. And that's, I think that's the other thing with all of this stuff. Like all of this is, you know, when you're informed, then you can actually decide whether you care or not, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, like when you know about blue light, then you can say, well, actually that really doesn't, you know, I, I don't, I don't think I'm that sensitive to it and we move on. Um, but I think being informed so then you can make decisions and you have options on it. That's what it comes down to because otherwise we're just kind of driving blind, you know? Um, but in terms of, um, headphones, if, um, the things I would recommend is one, um, 
be on a speaker as much as possible. So whenever, um, whenever I'm on the phone, it's usually on a speaker. Um, two is if you do need to be on headphones, then, um, I would recommend against Bluetooth, but again, to each their own. Um, but if you do, if you are looking for headphones that are, um, wired, uh, there's these things called air tube headphones, uh, mm-hmm. which are pretty good. Um, and what they do is they like for the first, um, maybe a half a foot, um, from your brain down to, you know, somewhere in the middle of the cord, um, it's a hollow tube. And so the sound gets, um, gets to your brain still, you can still hear pretty well. Um, but it's just, it's through a hollow tube that the sound reverberates through rather than through a metal coil. Interesting. I have to look into that. We'll get a, we'll get a link for that as well. So how does all of this fit into female health and anything else that needs to be done to the brain? Yeah. I mean, those are the big ones, you know, it's, um, those are the ones that really have worked for me. I mean, for anybody who has a concussion, I think every concussion is different. Um, I also had really good benefit with hyperbaric oxygen. Um, it, it helped me tremendously. Um, one of the thoughts there is that you're getting, uh, you're in a chamber oxygen, um, is you get more of it. You're breathing in more oxygen and it's pressure. It's a pressurized chamber. So therefore the molecules become smaller and they can go into your blood plasma. So then your entire body gets oxygenated, um, and, and we know that what that does for ourselves, which is what we need. Um, because especially if you're living in a city, I believe, um, the number is like 21%, um, is, is how much oxygen we're breathing and we're getting in, in a city, um, which we need much, much more than that. I don't know the exact amount, but 21% seems kind of low to me. Um, so hyperbaric oxygen, if it's something that's available to you, um, or in your city or around you, uh, I would give it a go. I mean, for me, I was, I was flying with energy afterwards, um, for like two, three days. Um, but, uh, but I don't think it's usually covered by insurance. Um, so it's, it's something, um, yeah, just to look into. Um, but in terms of, um, yeah, otherwise for brain health, again, it was light, uh, DHA grounding, non-native EMF, just staying as far away as possible, or just mitigating some of your, um, your exposure for EMFs. Um, but how does this all tie into female health? Um, so I think one thing is I'm just, I'm really just beginning to learn more and more and more about female health. Um, in part because I'm seeing some of my friends have issues that I really don't like. Um, and I want to know more about it so I can help out. Um, and same thing for myself. So we've just recently started a Facebook group, um, for women, um, dedicated to this conversation about health. Um, and I think what's, what's, what I've loved about it is I've learned a lot. Um, and I think with these types of communities where people are really open and they share and they, um, you know, it's typically that people have had a problem of some sort. So for example, me with my concussions and they've tried so many different things. They've, they've been through the pain and the frustration and the annoyance and whatever it is that they've become experts on, on that area, if you will. Um, and so it's nice because these people are kind of dedicated to learning more and they're excited for, for betterment as well, because they potentially have hit rock bottom and, you know, it's kind of only up from there. So, um, so yeah, the Facebook group is, is a great way that I'm starting to learn more and more about female health. Cool. Any one thing or two main things about female health? Oh my gosh. Um, there's loads. I would say, um, 
Yeah, I mean, we don't have that much time to talk no. that much about it. But um, So if someone I wants to from, dive into female health, what would be the first place to start? Hormones. Absolutely hormones. So when people talk about female health, they think it's just about the menstrual cycle. It's absolutely not. It is about inflammation and hormones. Um, so the top reasons right now for female kind of health concerns, it's cancer, um, it's heart disease, it's gynecological health, it's depression and anxiety, um, it's osteoarthritis. I mean, there's a lot of them out there, but I think hormones is the big one because um, hormones are the chemical messengers that tell your body what to do for men as well, right? So it's not just like, oh, hor oh, she's hormonal in a negative way. It's really, it's the messengers that tell us about our metabol uh, metabolism, about our mood, um, about reproduction. So if your hormones are out of balance, then you have anxiety and you're moody and hungry and, um, and it kind of adds tension to your life unnecessarily. So From from a female perspective, if you're looking into hormones, um, usually it's your thyroid. Um, so in the 1980s, the, the thyroid problems were really rare. Now I think it's like one in eight women will have thyroid problems over the course of their life. Um, so your thyroid is the key to your health, to your female health. Um, and I think what's causing a lot of our thyroid problems right now is um, is the iodine in your food. Uh, we're not getting enough because we're not eating enough fish um, and Low iodine in food ends up having issue, issues in your thyroid as well as your breast tissues and your mammary glands. Um, and then stress. You've got stress and cortisol. Cortisol then um, kind of leads into the whole entire cycle of um, leptin resistance, insulin resistance, adrenal resistance. Um, so I think in terms of your, if you're trying to get control over your hormones, that's the number one thing for females. Um, so um, what that also, what that comes down to is figuring out your cycle because, um, we should be regular. We should have, it should not be, um, it, it should not be something that you don't know if it's coming or not. You don't know, you're, it's not predictable or whatnot. You really need to figure out your cycle. Um, and the way to do that, I think is testing. Um, So if you're going to be testing, there's a number of different labs out there. Um, I'll run through the ones that like the top ones, I would say, if that's helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, so the top ones, um, your thyroid again is your number one thing that you need to be looking at. Um, but make sure that when you do your test, it's not just your TSH. You need to look at T3 and T4 as well. Um, those ones will, will help you out and figure out, help figure out whether your thyroid is functioning or not. Um, and if your thyroid's not functioning, then, um, then you're not getting the messengers to start your hormones to go down through the rest of your body. Um, the next one is the highly sensitive C-reactive protein, um, HSCRP. Um, that tells you about your inflammation. Then I would look at um, iodine, iron, selenium. Um, all of them are going to give you different information on, on how your body's working. Um, I'm not going to go into detail now. The other ones are pregnenolone, progesterone, estrogen, LDL, cholesterol, um, and vitamin D3. So vitamin D3 is a huge one. Um, again, sunlight is a big one there. You can supplement, but the problem with supplementing vitamin D is that most of the supplements are vitamin D2 and not vitamin D3. Um, now natural, if you want to have a natural version of vitamin D3, that is, um, going back to what I said about brain health, it's seafood, it's, uh, it's DHA. So we come full circle, you know, um, But, um, or sunlight, you know, in, if you get out in the sun and if it's good sun, um, in 30 minutes, you can make 30,000 IUs rather than the 5,000 IUs of vitamin D3 that 
most people take per day. Um, so yeah, yeah, those would be my, my top ones. Cool. Any people to follow in regards to female health that you could recommend that you get inspired by? Oof. Um, apart from my podcast, of course. Yeah. Rhonda (laughs) Patrick, I think is great. She doesn't talk too much about female health. Um, Honestly, I a lot of the people that I follow about female, I mean, a lot of the the information that I get on female health, um, I find is kind of a half truth. Um, I, I I say that not meaning to poo poo on anybody, but I think that they're not they're not seeing the big picture, right? And they're not they're they're linking thyroid health with food, and I think food is only a piece of the puzzle. Um, so for me, although he does not talk about um, female health quite as much. Um, for me, the person to follow is Jack Cruz. Um, he's a neurosurgeon, um, and, um, and he talks a lot about light, water, magnetism, and then food as well. Um, but for me, he kind of gives the full picture of everything that I've been talking about. Um, so K-R-U-S-E, Cruz. Um, his, his information, I think, is tough um, to listen to, you know, tough to understand because he gives a lot of science there. So I would just start out with his podcasts and YouTube um, and then migrate um, further on um, into, you know, his blog and his forum and things like that. Yeah, I'll get a link for that. Before sure. we round off, Health Optimization Summit. What's oh, going yeah. to happen? Tell us some more about that. Oh, boy. Um, so we... We have this vision. <laughs> we have this vision that um, you know, health is is not about um, it's not about these individual silos. It's not about saying, oh, I'm paleo, or I'm keto, or I'm vegan, or I'm this, or I'm that. Um, we think that health is multifaceted, and we think that health um, has a number of different uh, kind of elements to it. And those elements um, involve it could be the the gut, the mind, the body energy and environment, like all five of those things for us is they all exist and they exist in a delicate balance that we need to attend to. So when we started thinking about, you know, health optimization, we were saying, well, let's bring together the best minds to talk about health holistically, right? Let's bring Eastern and Western folks together um, to say, okay, wait, our environment and the blue light how does that impact our gut? How does that impact our energy? You know, how do all these different, these five elements um, combined together. So we are putting together a summit. Um, it's going to be in London, uh, in August. So August 31st is September 1st. Um, uh, and you should all come. So it'll be, um, we have a website up, it's, uh, healthoptimization.com. Um, and if you're interested in learning more, you can find, uh, more information on Instagram. And if you want to connect with me and find out more about it, or if you want to volunteer or get involved, I mean, there's a lot of really, really interesting and smart people um, that are in this space. And I'm fascinated to just be able to work with them and learn from them. So if you want to volunteer or help out, um, just message me. I'm at Instagram um, at underscore dash of health, D-A-S-H of health. Sounds good. We'll get that in the show notes. And I think I'll be there as well. That could be very interesting to see. What do you mean you think? What do you mean you <laughs> I, think? I will be there. I'll probably come with Martin. So uh, There we go. Yeah, need to get into the calendar. I just got the invite yesterday. So that's going to be awesome. So before we round off, Dasha, any last tips or summing up like one to three advice you would get to, uh, to the listeners out there? Yes. Um, I would say one, 
DHA, start having it, start having a lot of it. You will see tremendous benefits. Two, light, uh, get the sunlight in the morning, block your blue light. And three, stop or or reduce or minimize the amount of time that you are around non-native EMFs um, and learn, you know, learn as much as you can about EMFs because I think that they're a large cause for many of our health problems today. Yeah. And where can people find you if they want to follow you? Do you have any kind of social media or you're totally off the grid? I'm not totally off the grid. I'm starting to get into it. I I'm not very good. I'm not going to lie. Um, but at um, on, I'm on Instagram underscore dash of health. Um, and I think the other thing is, um, the, if you're, if you are a female, um, it is unfortunately or fortunately, uh, only for females. Um, but if you are a female, if you want to join us on the Facebook group, um, it's biohacking women, um, is the group. Um, so if you just add on to it, then we can answer a couple of the questions and then, uh, and join us in the conversation there. Sounds good. Dasha, thank you so much for taking the time. Super educational. Appreciate it. Perfect. Cheers. Glad, I had to, yeah, glad to be here and hope to see you guys all at, uh, at the Health Optimization Summit. We will. Looking very much forward to it. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Island. Be sure to subscribe for more episodes on how to be the best version of yourself. And if you found this show helpful, then please leave us a review so more people will learn about the podcast or share with a friend who can benefit from it too. Thank you again and have a wonderful day.